Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You are listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast where I discuss value investing, rational analysis, and break down the processes, principles, and mental models of business owners and managers. Today we have on Chelsea and Tara, who run the business Alluring Oddities, in which they resell items they buy in thrift stores for a nice profit. You know, there are many ways to find value, and Chelsea and Tara have mastered the art of thrift arbitrage. For value investors out there, there's something you could do for fun as a hobby, or you could turn into a full-time business. And today we're going to break down some of Chelsea and Tara's thinking, some of their processes and their frameworks of thinking for being able to take advantage of market discrepancies between thrift stores and general buyers of interesting merchandise, or alluring, as they may say. However, before I introduce Chelsea and Tara, I just want to real quick share about a few items that I've been recently using or want to use that I'm a huge fan of and that fit pretty nicely with today's episode. So the first thing I want to talk about is the Bounty Hunter TK4 Tracker Metal Detector. So not something where you'd, you'd be uh, thrifting in, but if you want to have other alluring oddities that you want to find in the ground, this is the world's most popular metal detector. It has over 7,000 ratings on Amazon, four and a half out of five stars. So for those interested in acquiring and possibly selling some interesting oddities that may possibly allure your senses for yourself or for the senses of your potential buyers, if you chose to make it a hobby and sell things that you didn't just find in the thrift store, but also in that ground, this is an amazing piece of equipment that you can buy for under $100 without having to spend thousands on something that will be totally unnecessary. Remember, this is a value investing show, so I'm not going to bullshit anyone with garbage or overpriced shit that you'll have no use for. You know, I'm not going to be talking about, I don't know, McDonald's cheeseburger coupons on the show, even though I do love a good fucking burger from time to time. This piece of equipment is so world-class renowned and has industry-leading circuitry, has easy-to-use technology, and proven treasure performance that has made the tracker the choice for many treasure hunters. The tracker will detect all kinds of metal, from iron relics, coins, and household items to precious metals like silver and gold and other alluring oddities. The 8-inch search coil is completely submersible and can be used for detecting the shallow water. So I will have a link for the show note if this is something you want to pick up on Amazon you're not going to spend $7,000 on it. It's currently under $100 right now. The second thing is a book that I just finished reading. It's a value investing second edition by Bruce Greenwald. Now, some of you who are loyal listeners to the show may be familiar with the first edition, which came out, I don't know, about 10 years ago or so. And you know, Bruce Greenwald, he is a professor at Columbia University and brilliant, brilliant guy. Highly, highly recommend watching some of his stuff on YouTube and some of his interviews what was awesome about this book is that there's one or two now new chapters in the book um, that have sort of a modern day approach using the same frameworks and principles, but applying it to more modern companies. So, you know, when we're looking at Apple or Amazon or Facebook, the way you're going to value these might be a little bit different than the way, say, you valued a railroad in 1907. And then the last book I want to talk about, and I'm extremely biased when I talk about this. It's my book, Principles of Power, The Art and Wisdom of Badassery, that just recently was published. I think the book is amazing, but again, I'm also the author. So of course, I'm going to think the book is amazing. Now, Principles of Power is accumulation of over 10 years of wisdom and principles and processes that I have accumulated from all different walks of life, including learning from Buffett, Charlie Munger, but many other people that are not inherently related into the investing world. 
and then using those principles to forward my business career, my personal career, everything about my life could be translated into this book into very, very key principles. So for someone who likes to understand how things work, I highly, highly recommend making an investment in this book. And as uh, John King, who is the leading guy on organizational culture, literally developed how to transform culture at companies and wrote a New York Times bestselling book, Tribal Leadership, what he had to say about principles of power is that it could be related to as an advanced coaching handbook for leaders and business owners. So if you're a leader, an aspiring leader, a coach, consultant, or program facilitator, this book is designed for you. The material is delivered inside of a modern leadership context of service and contribution. And Eric, that's me, features many partnerships and principles of power, his inclusion God damn, it's weird talking about me in the third person. His inclusion, my inclusion of useful quotes from Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, Werner Earhart, Nassim Taleb, Seth Godin, and many other leaders attest to the thinking and research that went into the writing of this book. It is now undeniable that the understanding and implementation of powerful listening, authentic relationships, and a recognizable permission to lead are cardinal distinctions of effective leadership. The word cardinal has a Latin root and means hinge, like a hinge on a gate. So like a hinge, cardinal distinctions are connected to every nuance of leadership. And you will see these distinctions in action in the background of Eric's many leadership conversations. Authentic relationship, for example, is essential to the effectiveness and empowerment of the participants and the leader. If authentic relationship is missing, any outcome or result devolves to the result of domination or force and is not an outcome of effective leadership. So consider this, leadership is granted by permission of those being led. Take a moment and allow that to sink in. The job of the leader is that of an environment, providing the space for people to collaborate, flourish, and create. These two different activities, management and leadership, are often commingled, especially in the business world and in the workplace. They are distinct and operate under different rules and measures. It's kind of like checkers and chess, same game board, different games with different rules and outcomes. Disentangling and distinguishing leadership and management, these two arenas of activity, grants power to both managers and leaders. So the fundamental exercise of listening for people's greatness is in the background of every sentence in this book, and there's much more. Principles of Power is strongly influenced by the transformational work of Werner Earhart, and much of the author's thinking is also grounded in the classic distinctions of tribal leadership and the thinking of Warren Buffett and his partner, fellow value investor, Charlie Munger. Those plus Eric's own extensive practical experience renders Principles of Power to be an extremely useful go-to resource filled with useful, implementable information sprinkled liberally with memorable quotations from intelligent, diverse sources, all apt and worth adding to your leadership lexicon. Now, with that being said, I'm going to shut the fuck up and introduce Chelsea Deitch and Tara Songster. It is a pleasure to have you beautiful women on the show. Hi. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. Yeah, so you run this business, Alluring Oddities. And you are essentially professional thrifters for all intents and purposes. So give me a little, give me a little rundown of, of how you got into this, how you started. Because I think a lot of people, you know, maybe have thought about doing this. kind of seems fun. They see people doing it on YouTube. And then maybe they try it. They buy something. And then they, they can't sell it on eBay for that price. Or they get the same price and lose money with shipping costs. So you kind of cracked a secret little code here. And that's why I want to bring you guys on. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what your background is. Yeah, so I think we we both kind of come from a little bit different backgrounds with thrifting and kind of joined together. I remember my grandma taking me garage selling as a kid. And I just remember finding like really peculiar type things like toys that I wouldn't find if I went to 
Walmart, for example, is where I would have been shopping for toys. I remember finding like a calligraphy set and I was like, wow, I'm going to be so cool. So (laughs) sophisticated with this calligraphy set. And it just, you know, from there, it just kind of became like a a treasure hunt for me. And I kind of had that realization recently, actually, that that's what I enjoy so much about it is that it's really a treasure hunt and adventure. Yeah. And I also had, you know, a similar background to Tara, a little bit different. My mom has always been like a super avid thrifter. Like it's a total game for her. She would come home and brag about, you know, how little she spent on an item. And me as like a teenager growing up, I was so horrified by it. I was like, oh no, mom, I just want like the designer outfit or whatever. Like just me being a little spoiled teenager. And as I got older, you know, I realized how much things cost, first of all. And second of all, that you can just find so much better quality things when you're thrifting compared to like, if you're going and buying something from fast fashion, that's really popular now. Just the the quality of items is just such a higher caliber than stuff you're going to buy new a lot of the times. And then, you know, we both connected. We, We met in college and we were instant best friends. And I think we both really connected from that. Like that was one of our favorite things to do. Like we would just love to go out on the weekends. Every weekend we spent thrifting with each other and our, both of our houses were kind of brimming with stuff that we would bring home from thrifting and like much to the dismay of our partners, they were like, right. okay, this is enough. Like <laughs> stop bringing stuff home, stop bringing truckloads of things home from the thrift store. And we're like, you know, we can kind of turn the, off this. Turn like, the hobby sure into well. Yeah. 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 So where did the insight come from where it turned into, we have too much shit so we can make some money from this? Because I think what most people do is they'll say, well, we can just sell it to get rid of it. You are thinking we can make money from this. So where did that insight come from? Honestly, I think like for me and probably for Chelsea as well, you know, obviously we have all the same friends and all of our friends every time they come to our house, they have something to say about our decor. And they always say that Chelsea and I are the best at like styling our houses or making it aesthetically pleasing. And they're always like, oh, I wish I could find cool things like this. And we're like, well, you can. Yeah. We just kind of wanted to share. Like that's one of our biggest things is where it started. I think before even let's make a profit off of this, it was more like, let's share this experience in a way that's more accessible to our friends and like having for them to go and do the legwork of like digging through, because that's the, what we love the most about it is the find, mm-hmm. the treasure hunt. Is yes. So it was more of just bringing the value and, you know, the happiness that it brought us to other people as well. Mm. And it's so much more of a rush finding this unique item that we found secondhand. You know, you can go to Target and find the same thing that 30 other people are going to buy within five minutes. And you all have the same thing, you know, like Chelsea said, like it really like finding that treasure for us is a thrill. It's a high. I'm like, no other. Like, I'll literally text Chelsea and I'll be like, I'm feeling down. What I found. <laughs> I'm feeling down. I had to go. But look what I got. <laughs> it's a good like outlet for our own mental health, respectively, I think, too. You know, in this world, we're just inundated with all this gloom and doom, especially in the past year. And there was a period of time, you know, that we couldn't go thrifting and, you know, just for the sake of public safety, didn't want to be irresponsible with going to thrift stores, but it really is an outlet for our mental health. So it's, it's more than a business. It really is like a lifestyle for us to be able to go and like have that outlet to kind of, you know, get that like healthy energy out and find something that really brings us that dopamine rush. (laughs) Well, I think that goes with anything. If you are treasure hunting, if you are doing it only for the money, you're going to burn out. Yeah. Totally. 
And you you, ha- you have to love the process. I'm sorry. I wanted to say I thought it was interesting that you brought up the metal detector because mm. as a child, I wanted a metal detector so, so. <laughs> I, I did too. I did too. I begged for one every <laughs> single Christmas. I'm like, I'm going to find treasure. I think I've always had this like need to find treasure. And my parents are like, we live in like a town called Farmersville. You're not going to find anything, <laughs> but like maybe old like car parts buried in the ground or something. Now I've had this idea is I do a lot of road trips and I've thought about going with some friends, bringing some metal detectors and like going to like these like old school cities and like finding treasure a lot as part of the trip, not the only part of the trip, but just like as part of something we can do. Yeah. I love that. It'll have to be a follow up for this (laughs) podcast. That would be awesome if we documented it and made another episode of that. Wouldn't that be cool? Would be cool. Cool. So other than coming up with ideas for future episodes right now, you know, Chelsea, you've told me online that you have pretty high gross margins on this business. We do. I mean, we have right now, I think we're running at like 68% margin of the stuff that we find. I mean, that doesn't take into account packaging and all that stuff that we have to buy, um, but just basic goods. We can, you know, sell them at 70% profit Mm -hmm. and still have it at a price point that is accessible and affordable for our followers, which is one of the biggest things for us. Like our thrill with thrifting comes from finding something for a deal, you know, getting a bargain on something. And that's really something that we try to bring to our customers. Like and I were talking about this before, like we have people who are like, Oh wow, that's a really nice piece of furniture. You could have sold that for way more than you did. But again, you know, that the profit obviously is part of it, but bring the value of actually like bring a quality good to someone who otherwise may have not been able to afford it is what drives us. Because we're both people pleasers. So like mm. not only do we get joy from the finding of the item, but joy from that giving to that, that person, that joy. excitement of yeah. that right. person. And like Chelsea mentioned, we are running at really great profit margins right now, but we do do those like little things that maybe aren't necessary. Like we have packaging and, you know, we like to like make the packaging pretty. Whereas, you know, sometimes you might just go to another local thrift store and pick it up. We just kind of try to add that little edge. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of what differentiates our brand too. It's not just like, Oh, here's your stuff in a paper bag. You know, Mm -hmm. like we want to give it our little personal touch and make them know that like we put effort and time into like delivering this joy to our customers too. But you're decommoditizing yourself is what you're doing essentially. Yeah. I mean, if I started a th- a same thing, but didn't put in the customer service work, you will have an edge over me. Right. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of people in our Buffalo area or from Buffalo, New York, that do kind of a similar thing as us. There's a lot of thrift pages. And I think that here, like Buffalo is really on such a huge resurgence right now that it hasn't seen since like the canal days when Buffalo was oh. in its glory. Why do you think that is? I think there's a lot of really good like medical schools and they put a lot of infrastructure into, you know, the medical facilities here. So a lot of people are staying after college and it's a lot of people who are age, young professionals, people who are able, you know, to put money into the economy to stimulate it. There's a lot of like, like-minded people like us that 
also care about the city, you know, and want to enrich the culture that we have here. And we've had nothing but positive collaboration with like our competition. Mm -hmm. If we ever reach out to these other girls or men who are doing the same thing, they're always willing to like do a giveaway with us or promote us on their page. And I think that's really unique to our market. And I think it just helps everyone involved. You know, we get, we can bounce ideas off of each other and we can all grow and make a better product for everyone. So let's break it down. Let's say you know, someone comes up to you and says, hey, this is, I mean, why I'm having you on. I want listeners to understand for those who might be interested in doing this. If someone said, hey, I think what you do is really cool. I have sort of a passion for treasure hunting. I like to find undervalued stocks, but I'd like to find undervalued merchandise, right? Similar idea. How would I even go about starting? And I ask you this, number one, because I think it's a common sense question to ask, but two, is personally, I've tried this a few times and I have failed every time. And I think something's going to sell because I go on eBay and it seems like it's selling, but then I do it and it doesn't get the same price or I break even or I lose money or with shipping, I lose money. I've never figured out what the formula is to figure out what's going to sell and what's going to make good profit. So how would, how do you, because I, and I get you have the reputation, you're the customer service, but if you're starting from scratch and I say, I want to start a successful thrifting side hustle, walk me through this. For us, I think that we've found our audience, which is a huge thing, knowing your audience and knowing what your audience is going to want to purchase, at what price they're going to want to purchase. But also that research and that benchmarking. We So what did you do for that? Like get, let's get specific. I want to get into the weeds here. What we do as far as like market research is we engage our customers a lot on our platform. So we do a lot of like, you know, questions we pr- sell primarily through Instagram. So we oh, just going to ask what your platform was. Okay. So you yeah, sell through Instagram. We sell through Instagram, you know, sometimes Facebook marketplace, but Instagram is where we can really get the feedback of what our followers want. So we do a lot of polls, mm. a lot of questions, you know, we ask our, our followers have such a great follower base too. That's very engaging. And, you know, I think we target people with kind of our same like weird, like we call our customers oddballs, like that's mm. their label. So you kind of have a real thing of what you're appealing to. Yes. So we try and like, as soon as, you know, they respond, then we kind of shift to that. And we have, you know, had a lot of things that are like, okay, this isn't going to sell. Like we think it's cool, but you know, it's not exactly pleasing the masses. Mm -hmm. I also think a lot of it comes from just like our lifelong experience of thrifting. Like we knowing if you can, if you're getting things for a good deal or not, Yeah, knowing if you're going to be able to make profit. Knowing what stores to go to that have really good deals. So what what stores do you, do you go to that you find have good deals? Is is it it typically local stuff or are you talking about sort of general like Kohl's or Marshall's? We do get some stuff off marketplace, which is always really good. Marketplace as as in Facebook marketplace or what what do you mean? Marketplace. Um, Made a couple um, like, trips to go to estate sales or something that's tara's favorite is yeah estate sales. i would say my favorite okay. way to curate our goods is through estate sales you go into an estate sale and there's moving sales and then there's estate sales right moving sales somebody is just moving estate sales please somebody has passed and it's their entire estate is for sale so okay. estate sales are so telling because you go into somebody's home and you learn everything about their life almost it's like a peek into their life yeah. you're going through every single piece of their belongings <laughs> like digging through drawers and digging through their closets and mm. it's very very telling i once went into this is just kind of an offshoot funny story but i went no, into an estate sale once 
like I said, you never really know like what you're gonna get. You're going like, you always, blind. <laughs> but you always come out with a story that you've made up in your head, whether you know it has 100 percent truth to it or not. That's whatever. That's <laughs> it's our matter. Truth. Yeah. It's <laughs> so I went into this home, and it was this older couple. You could tell, um, you know, they had like biker things, and like a lot of. They had. A, I remember them having like a knight's helmet, and. I play Catan, so I really wanted the night helmet. I love Catan. Oh, okay. We can talk about that on another episode. Yes. <laughs> I wanted the Catan or the knight's armor helmet for the largest army. You have to wear that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so then I'm starting to come to the conclusion as I'm walking through this house and going through all the things that maybe this is a swinger couple. So we have, the, we have all these clothes for this older man. We have this clothes for this older woman, this big breasted older woman. And then we find in another room, these smaller breasted women, <laughs> lingerie, corset, lips. All different of sorts things. of like. So, you know, it could have been anything, but I think it was a swinger. Interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. Really, this old couple knew how to get to, had a good time yeah. and like more power to them. Like I Totally. You know, I love the little stories. What are some other really like wild or interesting, unique stories that you've. One really weird thing for me. So you always encounter the houses when you go to estate sales that have like the weird doll collection. Like the Mm. dolls are going to come alive at night and murder you kind of deal. Yeah. So I've had houses that had like walls full of porcelain dolls. Mm -hmm one house that we went to and it was like in this weird like basement room like it was like the basement but then there was like this separate room like off the basement and you know the the people who run the estate sale do like stage the stuff but I think these like belonged in there because there was like shelter <laughs> and it was like all of this like clown memorabilia like oh my god clown and it was like if you have a fear of clowns like whatever that phobia is called you, you wouldn't have made it out of horrified. life you wouldn't mm-hmm. you would have been horrified like they make noises like the wind up ones <laughs> like the creepy sounds like the jack-in-the-box clowns like clown heads that was really weird not to mention in almost every buffalo house that i go in in the basement there seems to be this like weird room that's locked that's the thing the too that we love huh. is like Buffalo has a very rich architectural history mm-hmm. because a lot of their homes here were built like when, like I said before, like in the canal days, you know, right. and there are all these like sprawling, beautiful mansions that have all these like very interesting architectural details. And that's, I'm, I'm obsessed with architecture. So that's one mm-hmm. big thing for me to do. Like mm-hmm. I'm thrifting, but I'm also like, oh, checking it out. look at all this natural yeah. woodwork. Look at these built-ins. Like yeah. that's like one of my favorite parts. And estate sales are so like varied too. So like, for example, I went to an estate sale that was like an old professor's home on Agassiz Circle, which is in the Madai campus. So it was this beautiful mansion. And of course they had beautiful stuff, but I didn't find nearly as much treasure as I found when I drove four hours to this little trailer, literally a trailer, and found treasure <laughs> in there. So it's just so, it's so interesting, the variety and like it, doesn't necessarily like if you're going to a nice house does not necessarily mean you're going to find you don't know what you're going to get yeah so interesting so I think what I'm taking away so far is definitely find your niche like don't try to be everything for everyone because you're going to be competing with a thrift store basically and I think that's maybe the mistake I've done because it's like oh these these boxers are on sale at Kohl's then I sell them on eBay and I get the exact same price for it 
So finding your niche kind of, and then getting a, over time, a sense of that niche because you've enjoyed it. So you're going to do it anyway. How do you figure I, out, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's one thing too, that really differentiates us from other people who do the same thing as us is mm-hmm. alluring oddities. Like we like odd stuff. Like we like right. to find like interesting, like we like definitely target mostly like sixties and seventies goods. So that, you know, style that's really weird. Like something that's really like funky and quirky, have, groovy, if you will. Feature creature of the week. Ooh. So we find these like just creatures, um, like weird, like animal decor, like something weird. Yeah. That's like based on an animal usually and we always make our and it has creatures. a name and we always name it creature. yeah and they've gone over really well our future creatures are our oddballs like them yeah now, how do you price this stuff like how do you figure out what this is going to sell for is that just experience or it's experience and a lot of research we do a lot of market research like we always look for if there's any distinct markings on it we look who the craftsman is we look up what mm. they're selling for online and then we do always try to price it you know a little below what people are selling it, say, like on Etsy for selling it on like another online platform for, we do try to drive that affordability. And, you know, we usually are obviously getting a deal because we're like bargain hunting right. for everything that we find. But you can usually find at least similar things. Because like, if you're in a state sale, you may not know who the designer of something is. Uh, yeah. Right. It's, I mean, there's so many markings on things. It's so easy to do research, but we don't always get the best price or the best deal too. So, you know, sometimes your prices have to reflect that. So interesting. And how did you build your following? I think it just took, like, it just took off really. I mean, it started with just like our base of friends. Our friends are so thankful to, I'll shout her out right now, shop the greenhouse. When we were very young thrift company, she shouted us out and she is a very prestigious and well-known thrift page in the Buffalo area. There's a lot of thrift sites, like I was saying before, just the sense of community in Buffalo really helped us grow our following. Like we'll make friends with these people who have like-minded interests, thrift. And And then they promote us, you know, like I think I started being very nervous about the competition and being very intimidated by it. And I had to have Chelsea kind of help me through that. Want to see that they're there for, yeah, one of our big things is community over competition. And, you know, that's... Which helps everyone, by the way. People don't get that. Yeah. I talk a lot about that in my book, so... It's easier said than... Shameless, shameless, shameless promotion right there, but go ahead. I was just saying, I think it's a bit easier said than done to, you know... Like most things, like most principles in life. Like most things, to not fear that competition and to realize that it's all about the community, but... Um, I think that comes with time and I think that comes with realizing also that, and because we've had, unfortunately, we've had bad experiences with people being, I guess, some negative experience, but mostly positive. That's part of the game though, right? With anything. So much treasure out there to be had, to be found. And that's the realization that I came to. And, you know, and that's how I'm settled at community over competition. You know? Interesting. So, so I want to break it down. So if I was starting from scratch, here's, here's things I'm hearing so far. So, you know, get connected to other people that are thrifting in my local area, find sort of a thing that I'm genuinely into so that I will stick with it. Um, Cause it may not be the easiest thing at first, get an Instagram page, implement, you know, the Instagram market, the Facebook market also for market research as well. Etsy for market research and some of these just independent sellers and then have a fucking fun time with it and keep sharing and build relationships and 
is there anything else? So is there anything else I'm missing that, you know, if I was just doing that and taking the actions, kind of learning and course correcting along the way, my, am I sad or is there, is there anything else I'm, we haven't covered? I mean, I think it was kind of a different way of looking at, you know, I think most people say, well, I find this sale and the thing I'll go sell on eBay. It doesn't work. And they go, okay, I don't know how to do this. So the biggest thing that I've learned since um, Chelsea and I have started this company is this takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds fun and it is fucking fun. It's (laughs) so fun. But our houses, like Chelsea had mentioned in the beginning, like it, it wears on, you know, it can wear on a relationship because our house, my house became an antique shop for a second. (laughs) But if you love it, you know, if you love it. Yeah. Plus we have to, so it takes time to curate. It takes time to process all of the inventory. It what, do you, what do you use? What, so what tools do you use for processing inventory? You know, all, all of this, what, what business tools are, do you use? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, one really good thing with Tara and I being partners is that we both have different strengths. Um, okay. Tara is really good with the creative and the curating of things. And I'm more like financial side. Like I keep all the spreadsheets, you know, make sure that, everything that we buy is photographed and cataloged in a timely manner. So what do you use for a catalog? We just use Drive because we, we use can share Google that. Drive. Okay. And we use Google Sheets. Cool. And it yeah. works really well. It just for, works well for two people. Yeah. You know, I'm sure if you're doing it on a larger scale, you might need something a little more sophisticated, but for us, it works really well. But that's exactly what I was going to say too when you asked. It's just the time that it takes. Like you have to really love it. And I think that goes with anything, any side hustle, any business venture. Totally. Done. You know, you have to live it. And it's not, we both have full-time jobs aside from this that are both very highly demanding and it takes time. There's some nights where I come home and Tara's texting me like, oh, we need to do this, this, this. And I'm like, Tara, I just need a night off. Like mm-hmm. I need to chill tonight. Um, what, what, are, what are your full-time gigs? Um, I work in PR and communications for a nonprofit mental health organization, Compere. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I work in administration for a small private investment firm in Buffalo. So I have, you know, that investing knowledge, that science right. knowledge that, you know, helps us. But hey, <laughs> yes, she does have that knowledge that helps us. But dream world, this is a luring oddity for life. I love it. Now, if people want to actually check out your business and maybe buy a few things, where can they go to to find out more about your business? Thank you for asking. Of course. It's- on Instagram, it's at alluring underscore oddities. Um, that's where you can go. So check us out. And if people have any more questions about thrifting or want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I think just message us on our page, yeah. like through our Instagram okay. site, um, would be the best way to get a hold of us. I mean, we love yeah. to check that. So we're both, you know, very active on that. Okay, great. So Instagram, if you have any questions or want to, you know, buy a few things. Yeah, we welcome any questions. We'd love to help anybody out because um, I think like we mentioned, this was something that we had been talking about for so long. And just to have somebody to help get you collaborated going and collaborate and like really helpful. You know, like if someone's watching this, you know, far away from us in a different city and it's like, oh, I can totally do that. Like, please come to us. Like we're here. We're very, we're both, are both like she said, you know, not people pleasers, but like we both seek value in people yes. so much like we both love to help people out and just help them with whatever journey they're on like we're both very empathetic and we're here you know we're we can be a resource for you and i i highly encourage that for anyone who's looking to do the same thing that we do i love that well i really appreciate the two of you coming on it's been very interesting and quite frankly fascinating getting a little look under the hood of, of how this works 
you know, for more episodes, you can, you know, watch this on YouTube and subscribe to the channel there. Uh, you know, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Go buy a thing or two. Yeah, go ahead, Chelsea. Okay, I do have one final thought that please go ahead. Talk about um, is that you know I think thrifting now too is like it's kind of become trendy with our generation because everybody you know has that value of sustainability and that group. You know, we care about the impact that we have on the environment, on the impact that we have on the planet when we leave it. And I think one big thing is that to remember that I think thrifting right now is we don't want to romanticize it because for a lot of people, you know, in low income demographics, it's their primary way to have accessibility to goods. Um, so I think even if, you know, for our, our followers, our customers, the listeners of this podcast, a really good way to engage in thrifting, if you're not, you know, want to like create your side hustle is to yeah. donate, you know, donate your goods to local nonprofits, spring to cleaning. any type of, yeah, exactly. Like when you're doing your spring cleaning, don't just throw it out. It's just going to end up in a landfill, you know, bring it to the hands of people who really need it. Are there so, any organizations you recommend for that? I mean, your local Goodwill would be great. Salvation Army. A lot of city missions, you know, um, just look out in your community because okay. there's a lot of local organizations that do a lot you know, to help impoverished communities. And we want to support our local communities as much as we can. So we do a lot of local thrifting, but we're donating to them. So I just encourage people to to really take a look at that when they're, you know, ready to get rid of something instead of just tossing the garbage. And they make it very simple too with drop-off boxes. Okay. You know, everything is very COVID friendly. You can just leave it there usually. Yeah. All right, great. Is there anything else you feel we haven't covered that, you know, dying to share before we finish this up, Tara or Chelsea? I think I'm good. I'm, I this think was we great. had a great conversation. Yeah, no, I love this. This was wonderful. So, you know, really appreciate you coming on. And like I said before, please follow them on Instagram or check out their stuff. And you can also, I do want to say to you that I have a new podcast that has also come out called the Eric Schlein podcast, which is focused on ontological work. And I break down the human experience, consciousness, and it's unlike, you know, your typical on the surface bullshit personal development podcast where you can't actually apply anything. So go check that out. It's ericschleinpodcast.com. Go check out Alluring Oddities. Tara, Chelsea, you were wonderful. And I uh, have a good rest of your night and I'll, I'm sure I'll talk to you guys later. Of course. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. So, in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.